Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. Welcome, y'all. Welcome to the High School Black Forum. Hey, it's March, March 19th, y'all. A couple of days before spring. Spring is when? The 20th, 21st? I don't know. It's right around the corner. Spring is just about sprung, y'all. Welcome to the High School Black Forum, where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, not in the session. Sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk, y'all. We come to you. Every Saturday live in living color over blog talk uh, from the ATL. Um, like I said, we we out here normally. We haven't been out here in a while at our normal uh, time slot. We uh, been out and about, uh, getting a little R and R in, uh, trying to catch up on some much needed uh, relaxation. But welcome, welcome back out here, my Facebook friends. How y'all? Let me see you out a little bleep. Y'all up and down. I wasn't here today. That's Donald Trump trying to get people to come in the country legally. They don't care over here and kill half native population. Now you want everybody else to come in legally. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all. It's crazy. This boy look crazy and crazy with green pants on. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, John. John says the crash shame. Hey y'all, uh, we uh. So Peter, how disruptive were these demonstrators in Arizona today? I uh. Been trying to uh, get a grip on uh. Uh, where the Republican Party is, and uh, I for the life of me can't uh. Can't uh, quite figure it out. It's a cross between. The Dixiecrats of of uh, George Wallace and the uh, the Republicans of Gory Bear uh, 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 Goldwater, Barry Goldwater. It's somewhere. It's it's nowhere near Lincoln. They keep talking about the party of Lincoln. That thing is nowhere near Lincoln, y'all. Hey, y'all, we're going to let you in on something. Our, uh, Broken down
rise up and we'll do it a thousand times again if we have to. Hey y'all, got a great show for you this evening. Kick back, relax, join in with the uh, fun. We got a call in one eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. That's a free call in to the Hushbow Black Forum, where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And not a necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk. Uh, our, our motto is to, uh, our uh, reason for being out here on Blog Talk is uh, uh, to advocate for uh, social justice for uh, on behalf of America's Africans. Not, not because we don't love everybody we do, just by extension, being part of that community, we find ourselves advocating on their behalf. Hey, Facebook friends, what's up? How y'all doing? Hey, it's almost the first day of spring, y'all. I hope y'all got your clock set up. That, was, that should have happened last week, but you know how we are. We operate on, <coughs> on, on what CP time. What kind of time is that, y'all? Somebody in the peanut, somebody in the peanut gallery. Somebody, y'all know y'all operate on CP time. What, what what is CP time? Anybody? What what is that? Colored people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> colored people got a time. <laughs> hey, I know colored people had no time, y'all. We got everything. We got a month. We get now. We got time. Is that a zone or just a? <laughs> Oh, is that a time zone or just uh... a... <laughs> yeah. Hey, y'all, I'll start off stuff out here. We ain't got time for that today. We got some serious business to take care of. The president nominated his uh, new Supreme Court uh, Justice, Myrick, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Mr. Uh, uh, well, let's get the guy's name. Now, don't start no stuff here. We know he got one. He just he just announced it uh, uh, just we. Of course, the Republicans swearing up and down. They they ain't gonna have nothing to do with it. They don't want to hear. Somehow, uh, the president's job run out according to them. Well, at least you think uh, it's according to them that uh, somehow the president, uh, somehow the president don't uh, stop working. I, I guess that's what they're talking about. The president somehow run out of his <laughs> constitutional duties after three years. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? Now, I I was under the impression that all elected officials have to work. I was under the impression that all uh, all elected officials had to work up until. The very last day that uh, 
and including the president, has to work up until the last day of his elected term was up and fulfill the duties of those uh, of those office that he's uh, or she is elected to. Now, the president nominated um, Merrick, Myrick Garland to be the new Supreme Court justice, and right away the uh, Republican-controlled Senate uh, is swearing up and down that now they're, even going, they're not even going to have a hearing on, on the guy, let alone bring him up for vote. I mean, we, we might need to fire those folks. Everybody in the Senate that's not willing to do their job, constitutional job, we need to fire them. We need to fire those folks. When it says uh, uh, give uh, 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 counsel and consent to the president's nominations, you have that means you have to go in and uh, interview that guy and bring him up for a vote in front of the full Senate. Not some small select uh, group in the Senate, but the full Senate uh, has to uh, uh, give counsel and consent to the president's nominee, up or down. You have to uh, interview uh, the candidate and vote on him, period. There's, there's no other way to read that Constitution. Now you could, uh, and as far as I can see right now, the Republicans in the Senate are not doing their job. We, uh, they need to be fired. All of them need to be fired, who uh, is unwilling to abide by uh, the Constitution. That's just a fact. There ain't no... Nothing hard about uh, 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 deciphering the Constitution and uh, the responsibilities of uh, the elected officials. The president has done his job. He's done his. He's met his uh, obligations under that uh, Constitution. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely crazy. Warren Hatch of the Judiciary Committee. Senator Hatch, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Nice to be with you. So, Senator, I want to read you back something you told Newsmax on Saturday. Obama could easily name Merrick Garland, who is a fine man. He probably won't do that because disappointment is about the election, so I'm pretty sure he'll name someone the liberal Democratic space. Mm-hmm. So, theoretically, you must be thrilled. President Obama followed your suggestion. Well, you know, it isn't a question of who he's appointed. It's a question of whether you could bring that up during the cockpit presidential election process. It's something that really hasn't been done before, except in the case of the except in the case of uh, Justice Kennedy, who, after a long ordeal of the Democrats smearing Bork and then going right down the line, uh, everybody's happy to get that over with. So when was the cutoff? I mean, you're saying this is because this is in the middle of a toxic election year. If this vacancy had emerged last November instead of last month, would it then have been okay to try to fill the seat? It, it probably would have. Now, to make a long story short, Joe Biden, when he was chairman of the committee, I said in 1990, 
Washington and, uh, a, year, a year before, he said he, he could not, that Bush could not be able to bring up the president, or the, the president couldn't be able to bring up a Supreme Court justice during the presidential year. Harry Reid has said that, and, uh, you know, Senator Leahy, who was chairman of the committee, has said that. The fact of the matter is they're right. This is, uh, this is not the environment to bring up the Supreme Court justice, and we've seen the toxicity that comes from from uh, Supreme Court justice, uh, justices. Now, can you imagine bringing one up in the middle of this? I'd rather have it put over. It's fair to both sides. Whoever wins is going to be able to appoint the, the justice. And uh, frankly, uh, yes, the president has absolute right to recommend and, and to submit who he wants. But the Senate has an absolute right to determine when that should be brought up. And uh, uh, I think uh, almost all Republicans agree that it should be brought up after the election. Senator, the politics. Senator, in 2010, you actually specifically addressed the possibility that President Obama would nominate Judge Judge Garland. You said there was no question he would win confirmation with bipartisan support. Well, and he did. As a matter of fact, I led that fight for him. You know, he's a fine man. I have no problem with uh, uh, with liking, uh, you know, the judge. I mean, he's, he's a good judge. Now, I haven't looked at his opinions for 19 years. And we're not talking about a certain court of appeals justice. We're talking about the highest court in the land, the court of final decision-making, where you, it's a court of final appeal in this country. So uh, it's a much more serious thing, and I can quote you Democrat after Democrat, who, when Republicans were in control, said you can't do this. And, and you know, so now that, uh, now that the uh, ox is bored, I mean, they, they uh, of course, would like to just be able to run right over you, and, and the Republicans aren't going to let them do that. Of course, if uh, theoretically, if Hillary Clinton gets the nomination and wins in November, you might end up with a much younger and much more liberal Supreme Court nominee in front of your committee. Well, that's the risk that you take. On the other hand, we want the process to be right, and we want it to be a sophisticated, good process with a, a minimum of politics involved, or do we want to just throw it into this cauldron that's going to call the presidential election right now? I think we ought to... Wow, I'm trying to listen to the grass. They're trying to uh, justify why. Kogan wins a uh, lawsuit uh, award of $115 million. Uh, I know he's happy about that because he wasn't making much money out there in that wrestling game game anymore. I'm sure he could use every penny of it. Oh, oh no, I don't know. It's, that's one thing to win a some kind of judgment like that and quite another to collect. It's a whole different story when you go out there and try to collect that money that you want. 
not impossible. It's just that, uh, first of all, the person uh, that you are suing has to have uh, that kind of money laying around. $115 million, that ain't no chump change, y'all. That ain't no chump change. And uh, just a pen, and I, I mean, I don't know who he's suing, but uh, if that person ain't got that money, <laughs> guess what? Uh, the only somebody who print money is uh, is the U.S. Treasury, I believe. Somebody connected to the U.S. Treasury is only somebody print money. Now, if you ain't got that kind of money uh, laying around in your bank account, I don't care how much uh, 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 somebody... Uh, uh, suing for if you ain't got the money to pay it, that's just you know that's just hard, hard road to hold there to try to squeeze like under fifteen million dollars ain't no sub change, y'all. Huh? I I don't know. We'll see. I wish the the whole call of luck in the world. I'm still trying to get this vacation out of me, off me, y'all. Uh, such a refreshing, relaxing time we had down in Cancun. That was one of my better trips to Cancun. Normally, I I could take Cancun or leave it. This time, I really did enjoy it. The uh, time there. Uh, Grand Bahia. Grand Bahia, Principe Hotel and Resorts, where we were staying at. I recommend it to anybody who is planning a trip to uh, to Cancun. Check out the Grand Bahia, Principe Hotel and Resorts. Those people really did a fine job, yeah, with uh, the group that I was traveling with. They really did a fine job. I recommend them highly. Uh, got just about everything you need on that property. I mean, including the casino. I believe it got a golf course associated with the property, but I I didn't have time to get out to uh, to hit the little white ball around. I think next time if I go to uh, to ride Savannah tomorrow, the president's on his way to Cuba, y'all. I wish you'd take me with him, doggone it. Improving human rights. The, the normalization process continuing this week as the country's resumed mail service and the White House even released a video of President Obama joking with the country's most famous comedian. Separated by a mere 90 miles, so seemingly apart, finally come together. 
for the President of the United States to land Air Force One in Savannah and get on the plane and spend a couple of days meeting with leaders of the Cuban government, speaking to the Cuban people. But experts warn that Mr. Obama's visit to the communist island, the first for sitting U.S. president since 1928, comes at a heavy price. What we've done, in a sense, is prop up the legitimacy to a single-party dictatorship uh, that is very, uh, very much likely to continue now uh, after Raul and uh, Fidel Castro are no longer on the scene. Smith contends that the trip merely romanticizes the island without shining a bright enough spotlight on the injustices that remain. Millions of Europeans, Canadians, Mexicans, Latin Americans have visited Cuba over the last several years, made investments. Uh, the, the system has become more repressive, not more free. I think that uh, President Obama has been going to let his mm. shopping in this last year of his presidency. We signed a, a terrible, weak and dangerous Iran deal. Wow. And that was a capitulation to the Iranian regime. And the same thing is going on with Cuba. White House officials say the trip should produce plenty of deliverables, including more trade and tourism, and by proxy, more opportunities for the Cuban people, and frank discussions about human rights. Conversely, they say don't expect any changes involving the prison at Guantanamo Bay. The effort to empty the prison may continue, but there'll be no handover. And while the president wants the embargo to end, only Congress has the power to do so. Look at the dirt cars down there in Cuba. They still driving the, the cars of the 50s. That's unbelievable. crash in Russia, y'all. We just trying to catch you up on the news here. We uh, had a plane crash in Russia there. The plane that went around the air, the airfield a couple of times and during their uh, tornado winds. And uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm the pilot and got fuel, enough fuel, I'm going I'm to try to get to another airport. If I got to go around that thing, the wind is too strong for me to land. The second time, I'm going to see what's the closest airport away from there that I can make it on the fuel that I got and get the heck on. Now, obviously, Russia is not uh, the U.S. and don't have airports on the scale that uh, the U.S. does. And so I don't know. Maybe they didn't have fuel to make it to another airport after flying from Dubai. But... Uh, Seem like just a tragedy there. Uh, 
if he could have made that landing on the first go around, he probably could have. He probably could have got down safely. So, uh, just looked like another airplane tragedy there. Hey, y'all, it's about uh, 7.30 and 8 here. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls here to see if we can pay some bills. Or I don't know how, who, who's going to pay them for us, but we're going to see. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls. So y'all hang in there. You got me, Hushmore. We'll be right back. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m right here in cyberspace.
Hey, welcome back, though. Welcome back to the high school back room. It's about 7.35 in the ATL, yeah. Face March 19th. I, I believe tomorrow is the first day of spring, yeah. I know one thing. We got more pollen in the air than the law really should allow. I had my car outside, and it never seems to fail when you uh, wash your car. Uh, it's either going to rain the next day or probably going to shoot up over 2,000 like it is here in the ATL. And sure enough, I had my car outside last night and just woke up this morning and it was green. It was solid green, yeah. Uh, and plus, I've, I've got a, I suffer from seasonal allergies. And, uh, and, you know, the last few years of the, with the weather being as uh, unpredictable as it is, it seems like to me I've had an allergy all year round. Yeah, all year round. Now, I don't know whether the weather is changing or, or what. You know, but uh, I know the last few years my allergies are starting to uh, stretch into all parts of the year. When it used to be that uh, it would just uh, be during the spring when flowers are in bloom and, you know, that's that type of thing. But that must be something to this climate change, huh? I believe. Say what you want, say what you want to say. I'm not, I don't know anything about whether I'm not a meteorologist or anything. I'm just going by what, you know, I'm going by what I say. Uh, personal experience. Can Cruz or Kasich overtake Trump? Uh, that's a no-no, yeah. They can forget, the Republicans can forget that. The only way they're going to get that thing from Trump is to take it from him at that convention, yeah. That's the only, they're going to have to bogart their way, uh, bogart that thing from the donor. Oh, they ain't beyond doing that. Oh, no, they scared to death of, uh, making Trump the uh, standard bearer of the Republican Party. Can you imagine that? Here's a guy who's been a Democrat most of his life. Is uh, All of a sudden, uh, has taken over uh, the Republican Party. Unstable guy at that. Oh, I don't think he's a racist by any means. I don't, I don't think Donald Trump is a racist by any means. Now, whether he's using racism as a as a uh, tool, that's another question. <laughs> that's another. That's another thing entirely different than him being a racist and him using racism as a ta- tactic uh, to uh, to meet an end. And uh, he definitely has attracted a bunch of racists to his uh, to his campaign. There's just no doubt about it. We got David Duke and 
other uh, white supremacist groups uh, uh, out marching in the street on his behalf, sending out flyers and recruiting on his behalf. So, yeah, uh, while he's not a racist, uh, he's attracting a lot of racists to his uh, to his campaign. So, you know, you can make what you want to make out of that. Uh, I know one thing. He he's not a, a, a normal Republican, but then the Republican Party is n- no longer a normal uh, Republican Party. Uh-uh, that thing nowhere near uh, the party of uh, Lincoln. It's not even the party of uh, Ronald Reagan. That thing not even the party of Ronald Reagan. Everybody trying to t- talking about Reagan this and Reagan that or. Lincoln this and the party of Lincoln. Come on, that party ain't nowhere near Lincoln, y'all. That party is way more closer to uh, Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee than it is uh, Abraham Lincoln. Come on. Who are you kidding? When the white Democrats of the South migrated to that Republican Party, it was doomed. That party was doomed as a, a Republican Party because the uh, giants that made that party started with Lincoln. You you think uh, somehow in the South you could put up a statue of Lincoln in some state house on some state house steps in Mississippi, Alabama, or Georgia, or Louisiana? Come on, they'd hang you. They'd hang you if you. And that's, that was Marco Rubio's downfall. He running around the South talking about uh, the party of Lincoln. Let's save the party of Lincoln. You see where he's at now on the sidelines. I, on his way out of politics altogether. On his way out of politics altogether, yeah. You can't make no case uh, uh, that the Republican Party is somehow the party of Lincoln. Uh, and not today, you can't. Not with the old Dixiecrats uh, 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 securely entrenched uh, in that thing. Uh-uh. You can't make that argument. I'm surprised that... Uh, that is, it has uh, stayed together this long, really. I mean, yeah, it's imploding right in front of our eyes now, though. Uh, yeah, we, where are we at? Yeah, we, we, you know, we left off here, I don't know, a couple of shows ago. I guess it was even before we. Before we went to, uh, before we went on vacation, we had left off with a uh, segment on, I've got to go have surgery next week, uh, I've got to have surgery on my ass. I, you know, I'm a little leery about this whole thing because... I'm, I'm kind of conflicted between which uh, procedure that I'm going to get. First of all, I'm not too happy about the last surgery that I had when I had a cataract uh, removed from my right eye and had a lens put in there. I came out of that surgery not able to see out of that right eye. And they come back later and talking about I've got this macular hole in the back of my eye 
down. They don't know how it got there, and they swear for now that it was it was already there, and they could see it now that the cataract. That's baloney, y'all. I, I'm not convinced about that because, first of all, they could have did a scan. It should have did a scan of my the back of my eye before they. Anybody uh, thinking about getting cataract surgery, let me warn you. Make them do a scan of the back of your eye before you get that. Make sure uh, you don't have a what they call a mac a, a macula hole in the back of your eye before they do the cataract surgery. Make sure of that so that if they happen to damage uh, your eye, uh, like I believe uh, happened in my surgery, uh, you'll have some recourse, and you'll know uh, what your eye looked like before surgery and after. Now I, I'm almost I'm shocked that that's not a part of any kind of uh, normal uh, procedure. I'm shocked that that's not part of some kind of uh, the normal procedure uh, in the. Uh, dealing with cataracts, that they would take a scan of the back of your eye and the front of your eye, and they were cut the other way before they went in there and uh, did surgery on you. Says one of the things that could cause damage to your uh, 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 could cause a, one of these macular holes is a detached retina, which can happen during uh, the surgery for uh, the cataract. It can happen during the if you uh, uh, so yeah I'm, I'm suggesting anybody who's planning on having cataract surgery make sure they do a scan of the back of your eye so that you can have some kind of comparison before and after I just don't trust none of that no more I'm not trusting any of that uh, so they better they're going to let me know <laughs> Up, you know, that will never happen uh, to me. I mean, uh, well, they only got one more eye, and they got to have cataract surgery on that one. But I'm going to know up front that I don't have any problem with the back of my eye before that surgery takes place. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, we'll see. Right now, I'm kind of... I'm. I'm still conflicted as to which one I'm going to do. One of them uh, has to do with putting gas in the back of your eye that will hold force the, the tissue closed in the back of your uh, retina. Another one is putting oil back there to keep it closed. One or the other. One of them with the uh, gas, you have to hold your head down 23 hours a day, which I, I, I just know I'm not going to be able to do. I know that already. So uh, that's, that just about eliminates that. The drawback on the oil is uh, you have to go back to have the oil removed after a period of time. And i got to find out some more about how long do the oil stay in before you have to go back. Uh, between the first surgery and the second surgery.
So I don't know. We're, we're just going to have to see, pray on it. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to wind up with the oil. Don't, like I said, the only drawback on that, you have to go back twice. You have to have two surgical procedures, one putting it in and one taking it out. Yeah, but then it uh, alleviates the uh, uh, alleviates uh, you having to try to hold your head down.
Welcome back. Welcome back to the Hushman Pipe Game. We, uh, it's about, uh, wow, five minutes to eight on the ATL. Uh, we get some pretty warm weather around here already. I mean, it was, I don't know what it was, pretty close to 80 degrees here in Atlanta today. It's going to be good uh, golfing weather. That's one thing for sure. But, like I said, one of the uh, other things that uh, that spring bring is uh, the blooming of the flowers and uh, lots and lots of uh, pollen. For those of us who suffer, Allergies, it's not uh, a pleasant time of year. The Pope's join Instagram, yeah. There's Pope's all over the place, yeah. Who you join Instagram. He doesn't join Instagram. <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, Pope Francis on Instagram. He got an account at Pope <laughs> at Pope Francis. Oh, he, yeah, he's he's trying to see his touch. Well, if he gotta reach his audience where he can find him, and you know, young folks all over that uh, social media, if he's trying to communicate with a younger crowd, he's uh, he's doing the right thing. I ain't mad at him. He's doing the right thing to uh, stay in touch with his flock. Hey, no doubt. He's doing the right thing, yeah. We uh, we had to drop biology, uh, biology and biology lab. We had to drop both of them. There's no sense, I see, there's no sense in dropping biology without dropping biology lab because they, they uh, are uh, part of each other. <laughs> so I dropped the lab, too, here this past week, uh, mainly because I've got surgery coming up, and that, you know, that thing was stressing me out anyway. So I dropped it off. I'll revisit both of those over the summer. I've got to. But... Uh, I'm going to try to look for a better uh, fit. I'm going to try to look for a better fit for me in terms of professors uh, for the summer because I knew I, I I'm not I was not satisfied at all with the the one professor I had for biology. So now obviously I got to put more into it, but uh, this guy wasn't teaching you I ain't, I ain't calling no name. He, he he's he's a young. Uh, Young teacher, 
but uh, if I see he he's down on the class, if he's a professor, guess what? I won't be uh, I won't be enrolling in that class. So, oh no, not me. I know it ain't all his fault. I know that all that's not all his fault. Yet still, I uh, I expect my professor to teach and not sit up in front of the class and read a PowerPoint presentation for two hours. Hell, I could read myself and not learn anything. <laughs> I, I, I could read a PowerPoint presentation and not learn a thing. If that's all I, you know, I'm a pretty good reader. Uh, understanding the material that I'm reading is uh, that's the job of a teacher to make me understand uh, the subject matter. And he, he uh, didn't uh, didn't connect with me that way. The lab professor was pretty good. I have to. Say that I just couldn't. Uh, I'm going to be missing. Uh, I'm going to be missing. Uh, uh, I'm going to be missing uh, next couple of weeks with uh, my eye surgery. So I know that was going to throw me all out of kilter. When it came to the lab, so I just went on and dropped it. I was I looked back at it while I had a chance. If you go, if you go too far and not withdraw right before that deadline, you can uh, there can be some serious ramifications on your grade. So you have to do a withdrawal. Um, in order not to lose credit. I found that out back in the 80s when I was going. I failed a withdrawal in the proper amount of time and wound up with F's. I can't have that happen again. Mm-mm. I can't allow that to happen again because that screwed up my grade point average and still that's a day that... Uh, I can't do anything about it now. So, mm. Mm. I wish I could revisit the class again, but they don't even teach that software anymore. Mm. You don't even teach that stuff anymore. I don't even know why uh, I can't get any response from my from the records. I tried all I could to, to get it exposed, but they didn't want to even teach the course. I don't know. Seems like a sudden just But what you gonna do, you? Yeah? 
what you going to do? I'm curious to see. Uh, I, the, the thing, uh, I've got to look and see what happened here. Uh, but my, uh, with some of the uh, videos that we, t- we took down in uh, Cancun here, let's see, uh, my old cart... Uh, was full. The car was full. Well, at least it said it was full. I don't know. It said it was full. Was it full? Who is this? You're gonna take what from me? <laughs> 
not even allow you to take a whole break. I ain't gonna allow you to send me back to the plantation. <laughs> and I'm not even going back to the motherland. That's uh, I'm, I'm, you stuck with me here now. So I, you know, but I ain't got nothing for you to take. What are you gonna take? <laughs> uh, that's real talking about. Uh, yeah, just looking at. Uh, wow. <laughs> hey y'all. <laughs> well, I'm sure the husband will back for him, y'all. We just uh all over the place to see. You got a free call in number one eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. That's a free call in to the Hushville Black Forum. We don't take many calls out there, but we will from time to time. We uh we just taking it easy. We're on cruise control this evening here. Uh the uh Presidential elections kind of at a a, dull, a low, low, low what is that a, a low point? They got a couple of things going this week, not much. I think Hillary and Donald have wrapped that thing up. Cruz crying the blues, somebody want Casey to get out. Casey, so why should he get out? He just won Ohio, the second biggest state so far. So I don't know. I'm having fun just watching that thing implode. Seeing how in the world are they going to go about trying to uh, take that thing away from the Donald. Especially when the Donald said he ain't giving it up. He done took him apart, y'all. The Donald done took him apart. That's how weak that thing was. There's no way in the world Donald Trump could have confiscated that Republican Party 10 years ago. Now he done came and took the whole party over. And they said nothing uh, useful yet. And he done come and did the whole Republican Party. Haven't discussed any policy yet. That's show you how weak that party was. On the outside, it can come in there. and dominate the whole Republican Party. That's fascinating. I find it fascinating. They went around. I don't even see nothing that guy is talking about.
I really enjoy this camera and camera enterprise. This last history class, uh, yeah, this is under this is in here now. I've got to keep this separate from, from the rest of the stuff that I've got here. I, what is this? Marion Cameron drawing I have attached by one foot. W.E. Wears. I always like to find one of these things. Okay, let's see, about 25. What does this say here? Uh, choose the letter which correctly answer when you finish it. About how long ago did Homo sapiens appear? 250,000 years ago. Okay. I really enjoyed. That class, uh, I'm only okay. Here we go. This is something that has to do with uh, okay. This is still some more of that stuff. I'm going to keep up with all of that because in my writing, yeah, dealing with history, think peace number one, think Frederick Douglass while making that speech to the majority, my audience uh, in Rochester, New York on July 4th, clearly articulated a significant between perspectives of American American descent and that of American European and does have been born a slave. Okay, yeah. In peace we were what what was this about? How was I writing this? Okay, just put this aside. Put this somewhere because we're gonna revisit that. We we looking at trying to uh, gather thoughts and ideas on our uh, next writing. Uh, uh, what we want to put? Uh, I was thinking about writing on our twelve uh, twelve heroes of man, but I've since. Uh, I've since had a change of heart, and I believe I'm going to 
undertake a project on uh, writing about and highlighting um, uh, the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. I think I'm going to devote my next writing project to that 46 million acres that were set aside in the Southern Homestead Act in 1886 that could have, in my mind, after looking at this thing for the last 10 years or so, determined that that is the missing piece that uh, could have uh, could have uh, got uh, America's records in on an even a playing field in this uh, society. And that was the missing uh, piece that prevented us from uh, achieving our uh, rightful place in American society, that uh, the 46 million acres that was set aside in the Southern Homestead Act, and how that thing played out uh, uh, over a period of 10 years during Reconstruction, uh, and how uh, the South uh, uh, rebelled against it. The powers of being in the South and the uh, racists in the South rebelled against the uh, notion of allowing uh, the ex-slaves uh, that 46 million acres of real estate, which would have completely uh, separated them out of white society uh, with their own uh, real estate, which would have uh, been a tremendous uh, asset to them uh, here in this country. Uh, and to correlate uh, what happened in the sort of Southern Homestead Act with the Homestead Act of 1862, where out west the government set aside some 240 million acres of land for the white settlers moving west. And how, you know, those two things paralleled and played out uh, with uh, different outcomes. Uh, completely different outcomes and uh, how uh, we as a people are still suffering from those uh, the outcomes of those two uh, Homestead Acts. The Southern Homestead Act of 1866 and the Homestead Act of 1862 both put in place by uh, Abraham Lincoln or his administration one before he died and one uh, the year after he died. I think that's going to be my next project because it's too many of our people know too little about what happened uh, uh, in that Southern Homestead Act, how that thing played out uh, in the South here, how it played out. It's crazy. Uh, let's see. I wonder if uh, I wonder if I can say a uh, biography of um, Henry McNeil Turner. I wonder if there's a biography of Henry McNeil Turner, because Henry McNeil Turner was right in the midst of uh, the action during that time. Uh, if anyone could... Uh,
because she had light on it. That's him. Henry McNeil Turner. I'm trying to uh, see if I can uh, see if I can find uh, a uh, a biography for him because I'm almost sure if he wrote his own biography or uh, it has to show up in in his biography somewhere because he. Uh, was one of the few um, blacks with power at that time who uh, was involved in the distribution of that uh, that land. I guess I need to talk with the. I guess I need to talk with her because yeah, too few blacks are uh, do anything about that. We uh okay, let's see. Let's see if we can find something on Henry McNeil Turner. And uh I think we're gonna highlight we're gonna highlight Let's see, uh, we, uh, what's going on there? We're trying to, uh, we just, uh, we're trying to, uh, multitask Henry.
house built. Fourteen children, my goodness, Bishop. See, the Reverend uh, Henry McNeil Turner had 14 kids by this one wife. Wow, the preacher was married four times, y'all. Henry McNeil Turner. I, I'm I'm going to include him in my writing on that Southern Homestead Act because he, of all people, uh, had a real good uh, appreciation of uh, the necessity of uh, um, free people at that time, free black people uh, acquiring that land. And fought against the uh, fought vigorously against the repeal of uh, the Southern Homestead Act. Uh, I've got to tie those two things together and see if it come. But uh, yeah, that's what I'll be writing about uh, the Southern Homestead Act in my next project. Uh, the land denied. I think I'll entitle it the land denied. the Southern Homestead Act. We, uh, what time is it going to be, uh, it's about, uh, ooh, 28 minutes after 8, uh, we're going to take another quick pause for the calls and see if we can get some bills paid. Can't do that, we're just going to take a break. Hey, y'all hanging there, you got me hush, well, we'll be right back. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back, uh, welcome back to the National Black Forum. We uh, was just saying that uh, we went to uh, while we was in Cancun, we got us a sombrero. Uh, yeah, we was thinking about wearing this thing to school one day next week. This, uh, it's a conversation piece. That's all it is. But uh, yeah, we like a good conversation. So that'll give us something to talk about. My sombrero. Uh, those things are kind of heavy. Yeah. Those things are kind of heavy. I need to put it in a... In, a, in, a, in some kind of plastic bag so that I can... Kind of keep it uh, nice and neat. Got a call into the Asheville Black Forum five one eight eight five eight eight three eight one four. Y'all, free call into the Asheville Black Forum. Yeah, we uh, we don't take many calls out here, but we will from time to time. We just as when we left, we were talking about our next writing project. Uh, it's going to be on the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. Got that thing down for you. Few blacks do uh, anything about the Southern Homestead Act and the significance of it. We hope to shed some light on it. We hope to shed some light on it for you. It's just a fascinating, fascinating uh, story. Uh, just a fascinating story. And uh, what went into uh, that thing, and how it was uh, he would just outbreak. Was talking about the. Uh, Henry McNeil Turner says he, he witnessed the outbreak of the Civil War. Charles Sumner, Thaddeus Stevens, another powerful Republican legislator. In 1863, Turner was instrumental in organizing the first Regiment of U.S. colored troops in his own churchyard and was mustered into service as an army chaplain for that regiment. He and his regiment were involved in numerous battles in the Virginia theater. At the war's end, U.S. President Andrew Johnson reassigned Turner to a black regiment in Atlanta, but Turner resigned when he realized it already had a chaplain. He spent much of the next three years traveling throughout Georgia, helping to organize the African Methodist Episcopal Church in what was virgin but not always friendly territory. African Americans flocked to the new denomination, but the lack of such essential as trained pastors and adequate meeting space challenged Turner. 
1867, after Congress passed the Reconstruction Act, Turner switched his energies to the political sphere. He helped organize Georgia's Republican Party. He served in the state's constitutional convention and then was elected to the Georgia House of Representatives, representing Macon, in 1868, when the vast majority of white legislatures decided to expel their African-American peers on the grounds that office holding was a privilege denied those from a several background. Turner delivered an eloquent speech from the floor. Unfortunately, it did little to sway his fellow legislators. Soon afterward, Turner received threats from the Q Club Klan. In 1869, he was appointed postmaster of Bacon. Ulysses S. Grant but was forced to resign a few weeks later under fire from nations that he consorted with prostitutes and had passed defective currency. The behest of the U.S. government, he did reclaim his legislation, but he was denied re-election in a fraud-filled contest a few months. Turner was extremely vigorous and a successful bishop in 1885. He became the first infant bishop to ordain a woman that may have been his downfall, yeah. Let's see, further reading. Stephen Ward and Bishop Henry McNeil Turner in the South Nuxian University. Right, black exodus, black nationalists, and blacks. Back to African Let's see, straight black red. Uh, I want to end my part. It's in the park. Inman Park. Uh, uh-uh, I gotta find out. Let's see. Cite the circle more from the weird back then. Uh Turner died May eighteenth, nineteen fifty in Windsor, Connecticut. While traveling on church business, he was he is buried in Atlanta. A portrait of Turner hangs on the state capitol. Hangs on hangs in the state capitol. got to find more. Let's see if I can find an autobiography on him. Uh, Pioneer and church organizer, missionary for the African. Uh, his eternal life was guided by faith and, and the capabilities of himself and his people. He grew up in Evansville, South Carolina. He was born free.
Yeah, I, uh... We uh Yeah, yeah. We uh we've been having some problems with our uh software, y'all getting all kind of crazy uh malware and adware coming in. We had to buy uh some remove uh, removal software uh, to take care of that stuff and it's still not quite taken care of yet so I've got to be careful out here on the internet to uh, I've got to be careful out here on this internet because this is crazy uh I'm going to highlight this. I'm going to keep this because I want. Go, uh, Henry McNeil Turner. On September third, nineteen or eighteen sixty-eight, Turner stood before the assembled representatives and denounced the legislatures who had refused to seat the African American senators and representatives. That speech appears below. This is a speech to the Georgia General Assembly in 1868 when they uh, expelled some 25 representatives and two black state senators who had been duly elected during a Reconstruction here in the South. The first time the blacks had an opportunity to participate in the uh, political process, uh, they Turned around and expelled them, duly elected representatives. And that started uh, uh, the injustices uh, for the next hundred years. Uh, Mr. Turner uh, would address that crowd of henchmen. Mr. Speaker, before proceeding to argue this question upon its intrinsic merits, I wish the members of this House to understand the position that I take. I hold that I am a member of this body, therefore, sir, 
I shall neither find nor cringe before any party, nor stoop to beg them for my rights. Some of my colored fellow members, in the course of their remarks, took occasion to appeal to the sympathies of members of the opposite side and to eulogize their character for magnanimity. It reminds me very much, sir, of slaves begging under the lash. I am here to demand my rights and to hurl thunderbolts at the men who would dare to cross the threshold of my manhood. There is an old aphorism which says, Fight the devil with fire, and if I should observe the rule in this instance, I wish gentlemen to I wish gentlemen to understand that it is but fighting them with their own weapon. The scene presented in this house today is one unparalleled in the history of the world. From this day back to the day when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, no analogy for it can be found. Never in the history of the world has a man been arraigned before a body clothed with legislative, judicial, or executive functions charged with the offense of being a darker hue than his fellow men. I know that questions have been before the courts of this country and of other countries involving topics not altogether dissimilar to that which is being discussed here today. But, sir, never in the history of the great nations of this world Never before has a man been arranged, charged with an offense committed by the God of heaven himself. Cases may be found where men have been deprived of their rights for crimes and misdemeanors, but it has remained for the state of Georgia in the very heart of the 19th century to call a man before the bar and there change, charge him with an act for which he is no more responsible than for the head which he carries upon his shoulders. The Anglo-Saxon race, sir, is the most surprising one. No man has ever been more deceived in that race than I have been for the last three weeks. I was not aware that there was in the character of that race, so much cowardice or so much pusillanimity, the treachery which has been exhibited in it by gentlemen belonging to that race has shaken my confidence in it more than anything that has come under my observation from the day of my birth. What is the question at issue? Why, sir, this assembly today is discussing and deliberating, deliberating on a judgment. There is not a shrub that sits around God's eternal throne today that would not tremble, even were an order issued by the Supreme God Himself to come down here 
and set in judgment of my manhood. Gentlemen, I may look at this question in whatever light they choose and with just as much indifference as they may think proper to assume. But I tell you, sir, that this is a question which will not die today. This event shall be remembered by posterity for ages yet to come. And while sons continue to climb the hills of heaven, whose legislature is this? Is it a white man's legislation? Or is it a black man's legislation? Who voted for a constitutional convention in obedience to the mandate of the Congress of the United States? Who first rallied around the standard of reconstruction? Who set the ball of loyalty rolling in the state of Georgia? And whose voice was heard on the hills and in the valleys of the state? It was the voice of the brawny-armed Negroes with the few humanitarian-hearted white men who came to our assistance. I claim the honor, sir, of having been the instrument of convincing hundreds, yea, thousands of white men that to reconstruct under the measures of the United States Congress was the safest and the best course for the interests of the state. Let us look at some facts in connection with the matter. Did half the white men of Georgia vote for this legislation? Did not the great bulk of them fight with all their strength the Constitution under which we are acting? And did they not fight against the organization of this legislature? And further, sir, did they not vote against it? Yes, sir, and there are persons in this legislature today who are ready to spit their, to spit their poison in my face while they themselves opposed with all their power the ramifications of this Constitution. They question my right to a seat in this body to represent the people whose legal votes elected me. This objection, sir, is an unheard of monopoly of power. No analogy can be found for it except it be the case of a man who should go into my house, take possession of my wife and children, and then tell me to walk out. I stand very much in the position of a criminal before your bar because I dare to be the exponent of the views of those who sent me here. Or in other words, we are told that if black men want to speak, they must speak through white trumpets. If black men want their sentiment expressed, they must be adulterated and sent through white messengers who will quibble and equivocate 
and evade as rapidly as the pendulum pendulum of a clock. If this be not done, then the black men have committed an outrage, and their representatives must be denied the right to represent their constituents. The great question, sir, is this. Am I a man? If I am such, I claim the right of a man. I am not a... Am I not a man because I happen to be of a darker hue than honorable gentlemen around me? Let me see whether I am or not. I want to convince the House today that I am entitled to my seat here. A certain gentleman has argued that the Negro was a mere development similar to the orangutan or chimpanzee. But it but it so happens that when a Negro is examined physiologically, forensically, and anatomically, and I may say physiognomically, he is found to be the same as persons of different color. I would like to ask any gentleman on this floor, where is the analogy? Do you find me a a quadruped, or do you find me a man? Do you find three bones less in my back than in that of the white man? Do you find fewer organs in the brain? If you know nothing of this, I do, for I have helped to dissect 50 men, black and white, and I assert that by the time you take off the mucus pigment, the color of the skin, you cannot, to save your life, distinguish between the black man and the white. I am a man. Have so to say as you have? Am I susceptible of eternal development as you are? Can I learn all the arts and sciences that you can? Has it ever been demonstrated in the history of the world? Have black men ever exhibited bravery as white men have done? Have they ever been in the professions? Have they not as good articulative organs as you? Some people argue that there is a very close and similar similarity between the larks of the Negro and that of the orangutan. Why, sir? The <coughs> there is not so much similarity between them as there is between the larks of the man and that of the dog. And this fact out there any member of this house to dispute God so fit to vary everything in nature. There are no two men alike, no two voices alike, no two trees alike. God has weak and versatility throughout the boundless space of his creation. Because God so fit to make some red, 
some white and some black and some brown, or we sit here and judge upon what God has seen fit to do. As well, might one play with the thunderbolts of heaven as with that creature that bears God's image, God's photograph. Hey, that's just a part of Henry uh, McNeil's turn into the General Assembly. We're going to come back next week and finish this thing because it's so heavy, so relevant to uh, my next book. Uh, coming up. Hey, so next week, y'all, we'll be right back 26th of March here next week. Same time, same place. Until then, y'all, ciao. Have a good weekend here. The Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.